0: high schools if it's the sport you care about we're talking about it the full court press on sports talk radio 106.9 FM 1390 a.m the fan
1: hello Cash Valley good afternoon to you happy Tuesday to one and all however wherever you're joining us here on the full court press 106 and FM 1390 a.m and 106 on the fan.com happy to have you Joining us, it's a beautiful Tuesday, hopefully you outside, enjoying the beautiful weather, being safe, social distancing, wearing a mask, doing all that, but enjoying the great weather we have. Uh, good show filled up for you. It's all NFL. Unless, hey, Ethan, is there, okay, so what's your sport besides the NFL that you're like, yeah, I'd watch that all day?
0: Well, it's always all NFL for me, Ajay, you know that, but uh I like probably major league baseball. Love watching some baseball. Watching the Nationals win the World Series last year was fun. Did you go to any of the games? I did. I went to one of the home games. They won they lost all their home games. First team in history to win the World Series with with four away victories. That's right. They won all their games on the road, huh? They did against the cheating Houston Astros. At that, <laughs> I love that you just tagged that in there. The cheating Houston Astros. Well, the reason I watch baseball is just to hate the Astros at this point,
1: right? <laughs> hey, let me ask you something about that. If, by the way, Ethan Dursteller here is joining me on the Full Court Press. He is uh, the government affairs coordinator of the National Football League. Yes, he is a big deal in the uh, no, 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 in no, no, the no. NFL biz. Oh, hi, Eric. Welcome to the show. Didn't know if you were going to make it. I mean, didn't care because I had Ethan, but... You didn't care if I didn't make it? I had Ethan. I'm good. Now, the days where I'm solo and you, like, you know, fail to show up on time, then I'm a little worried. But, uh, we're anyways... we the
0: process of hating on the Houston Astros. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You want to join oh, in? Hey. So,
1: okay. So, timeout. What? Because of the delay in baseball, does it erase or maybe take the shine off the hype? of teams going versus the Astros, like the Washington Nationals, the Dodgers, the Red Sox, does it take the shine off of that?
0: I mean, I think that the the Astros benefit more than anybody else, right? Because oh, yeah, they're absolutely. not going to have fans yelling at them. And, it, it, you know, the parks are going to be more quiet. So rather than banging on a garbage can to cheat at this point, they can just kind of <laughs> snap their fingers. It's going to be a lot easier. It's going to be much more subtle. Yeah, it's going to be easier for them.
1: But will, the, I mean, but will the other teams care? I mean, will they still bean? Jose Altuve,
0: will they still bean? Springer? I'm sure that some of the pitchers still will, especially the Yankees, the guys that were getting, like Chapman, who was who, who got yeah. hit off of in the 2017 ALCS. I'm sure he's going to gonna chuck some fastballs at Altuve's way.
1: Washington and uh, Houston will have, I believe, if not the season opener. It's one of the first three games into the season. I think it's game two or three. Uh, they'll get going at each other. I can't wait for that. I'm so excited to see that matchup. That World Series was one of the better World Series I've seen in a while, and that's... The crazy part, I mean, it went seven, right?
0: Went seven games.
1: And I I just feel like the intensity, the uh, the scoreboard lighting up the way it did, and some of the changes. I mean, it was just a chess match between the managers. One of the better world stories I've seen in a long time.
0: Yeah, it was fantastic. And it was great for the city of D.C. too. It actually brought a lot of people together. The game I was at, uh, Nancy Pelosi and Brett Kavanaugh were sitting on the same row. So, you know, it was a, you don't wow. see that very often. <laughs> but uh, sports has the ability to bring people together. It brought me and Eric together. Cheers.
1: Yeah, it's, it's true. Without sports, we wouldn't have <laughs> crossed many paths. Eric Franson, Ethan Dursteller, Armad J. and again, welcome to the Full Court Press. If you want to join into this show, if you got questions for Ethan, feel free to fire away. 435-339-0321 is how you text in. 435-752-1069 if you want to call in. Ethan is uh, going to be here for the hour. We're grateful to have him. He, uh always it was a fun show last week and I and I think Eric and I both agreed immediately that we like we're doing this again and we're gonna continue to do it uh just based on you know your experiences in the in, in, being in the league in your position and uh your uh, fandom of the game of the of the great teams and the great athletes that are in the game they get to showcase their talent uh it's it's really 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 good stuff so again thank you Ethan no for your time. thank
0: you guys I had a blast last week and I'm excited to be back
1: uh Eric how are you I'm great thank are you, you good yeah, I'm good. Thanks hey, for asking, Andre. Oh, I, I thought I would. Hey, Eric, let me ask you something. The ACC cancels their media days. Uh, BYU has also postponed their conference. By the way, this was <laughs> virtual media of day. They have to. This is virtual. Do they have to? They don't. Half of their season is is been evaporated. You still, as of right now, as of right now, you still have a season. Do you still postpone virtual media day do, though? Do you have a season? If you, have, I, I haven't heard anything canceled yet. Uh, I haven't heard there is no season for 2020.
2: That's true, but I think that there's some teams in some of these leagues that are they're still holding on to this. Hey, let's let's see where we're at at the end of July, and see if these numbers start to decline, and then we can say yes, we can do conference only games. But if things are still really really high and not trending down, then maybe they say it's better if we just wait into the spring.
1: Uh, I talked to an individual last night who I will leave nameless, and they told me very flat out this. Aj, it's either fall football with a regional alignment or it is no football for 2020. There is no option. There is no spring football that is going to happen. If it does, it is an absolute miraculous thing that, that overcame the P5 commissioners, the, the athletic directors, and so on and so forth. But they said there is no way. It is fall football with a different look or there's no football at all. And I and when I asked him, I said, "What is are you? how concerned are you with them postponing virtual media days? And they said, Ajay, say those two words again, virtual media day. They postponed virtual media day. What does that tell you?
2: <laughs> yeah, it, we're, it's not even safe enough to be in person, but where there's still so much uncertainty, we we can't even do it via modern technology where people are wherever they may be, so... I think it just sheds a lot of doubt and uncertainty. Notre Dame athletic director Jack Swarbeck uh, just recently, I think we need to be prepared to do it, talking about playing in the spring, uh, college football in the spring, and I think it should be viewed as a viable option. And then later he said, we're going to learn so much from the NBA and NHL and Major League Baseball in the next few weeks, and if, for example, those efforts go poorly, it's probably going to be a really critical data point for us and we'll argue for delay.
1: Ethan, let me ask you, just within the NFL, how, I mean, how much communication is there going on constantly about how to handle preseason? How to handle this whole thing of the NFL versus COVID-19? I know there's some things you can talk about, and some things you can't, but how much communication has to happen to make sure we have a smooth transition going into the season?
0: I mean, it's everything for us right now, right? Every, everything that we're doing is focused on ensuring that, that people, fans, players, everyone that, that's associated with football in any way is safe for a season in 2020. Um, right now, you know, we're still planning on, on, on starting a season September 5th like we do, like we, had, we originally planned in Kansas City with the Chiefs kicking off against the Texans. Um but, you know, every every discussion that I'm having, every discussion that most people in the league are having is centered around, hey, what can we do to keep our players safe? I think you guys saw yesterday probably that Oakley came out with a new face mask yeah. that's going to try to limit particle droplets from, from coming out of players' mouths. So everything we're doing, technology, whether it's related to technology or our, our relationship with the media or our relationship with the Players Association is focused on COVID-19 preparation. You know, and, and, and actually making you know, contingency plans as well I mean, if, in the event that we can't play, just can't start as planned.
2: I know there's in college football there's this thought, and I think for good reason that the players are safer on campus doing their things and the, the weight room and the nutrition. And before we get to our training camps, um, that we can monitor things better in, in that way as they're showing up, um, everybody's getting tested, and there have been a few that have been tested positive and they've had to slow some things down a little bit. But there seems to be a prevailing attitude that we're safer together than we are apart. If that makes sense. But part of this whole, which is odd, but and on the other hand, because with coronavirus, the closer you are together, the worse it can get. So with the NFL, I mean, certainly there's got to be some protocols that they're looking at as well with teams being together, access to gyms and facilities, and uh, doing training camps, even in the, in some of these states where the, it, the, the cases
0: are still spiking, for sure, definitely. I, uh, you know, NFL facility access has been has been prohibited since March 21st, when we when we kind of you know realized that this was a big deal. So players haven't had access to the weight room since March 21st. But you're right. You're completely right. At this point, I think everybody has realized that bringing players together and and knowing where they are is kind of the only way to be able to have a season, to be able to ensure that those players aren't going to test positive, and to, to at least decrease the the chance that the test positive, and to keep them in those controlled environments. So we're certainly looking at ways with the PA to you know limit player exposure to outside forces. But but you know the issue is that these these guys are just like us, they have families, they don't want to, you know, the NFL season's four or five months long. They don't want to, you know, sit in a bubble for four or five months while their family's outside facing corona, the coronavirus, facing the social unrest in our country. So I think we're going to have to find a balance, and we're working to do that with the PA and other partners, but it's definitely a in, in consideration. On the normal calendar for the
2: NFL, where would we be right now? With Because uh, I know there's some things that happen in the summertime where – Teams get together, they do some workouts, uh, they run through certain drills with you know the, the new guys that come in, these rookie mini camps and
0: whatnot. Where would we be right now in a typical normal NFL calendar? Like you mentioned, rookie minicamp would be starting this week in a typical NFL calendar. So the guys that were just drafted would be coming to team facilities to sit down with coaches, to learn the playbook, to, to, to acclimate to NFL life. Um, you know, there have been some unsanctioned team workouts. I, I'm sure you saw Tom Brady was, was pretty, uh, was, was pilloried, I don't know if I can say that word right, in the media for whole, continuing to hold these, these unofficial workouts. But, you know, a lot of players are doing them. And I, I don't fault them for that. It's their whole life. Their livelihood is playing football. They've never known anything else. They want to get out. They want to play together as a team. Uh, so that is still going on. And we, we haven't, you know, outlawed that per se but any 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 team or team organized uh, you know event has for the for now been postponed and, and that's going to have an effect i think on rookies acclimating to the league and, and learning the playbook and you're probably going to see a lot of draft picks this year that if we have a season are going to be considered busts just cuz they didn't get a chance to learn the playbook
2: do you think they get put on the bench and they don't get played maybe as much as they would and, and these organizations say because of what's happened in their in our off season we're going to have to go more of a veteran style And because he's the guys who understand what the league is about, understand what the pace is, they understand the preparation. And so the younger guys, it's going to take them a little bit longer to get caught up to speed. They didn't have that opportunity in the offseason. So it's going to be more veteran dominated league,
0: perhaps this coming year. I'm sure that the teams that have that luxury will do that, right? The Patriots, for example, are a veteran-heavy team. They drafted some new players that people were excited about, but they're not going to have to rely on them. But when you look at the teams that really needed the help, that drafted at the beginning of the draft, like the Bengals, for example, if they don't start Joe Burrow as their quarterback, who are they going to play, right? So there's going to be added pressure on these guys that, that were brought in as franchise saviors because the teams have no one else to rely on and 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 there's going to be that added pressure combine that with the fact that they haven't had the opportunity to sit down with their coaches to build to build chemistry with their teammates to get to know the organization really to even know how the NFL works and they're they're going to be be expected to trot out there by their fans on September 5th and start winning games i think that that i mean that that's a lot of pressure on a 21 year old kid
1: and fewer preseason games too fewer fewer if any yeah <laughs> Uh, the international games, uh, the players loved them. They actually loved going out of the country and experiencing a new rev- uh, venue and new audience, and the crowds were great, too, Yeah. Uh, to the players and coaches. Can you talk about what – because they're not going to have any of this here, of course, but can you talk about what those international games have meant for the NFL and, and receiving as many positive reviews as they
0: have? I mean, it's been huge for us, right? It's, it's always fun as a football fan first and then as a football professional second to see, you know, people from other countries that just are avid football fans. You know, you go to the games in London, and it's funny because last year, right, you had a Jaguars-Titans game, I think, and you get off the tube, Next to Tottenham Stadium, which is essentially an NFL stadium now. The the government in, in, in the UK basically, you know, converted it into an NFL stadium. And there's jerseys from all thirty-two NFL teams. So like while well, the Jaguars and the Titans are playing, you have Broncos jerseys and Pittsburgh Steelers jerseys. And all the fans sit together. So you have thirty-two different fan bases all sitting together. So it's fun to see how big the game is outside of the country. It's fun to be a part of spreading the game. And those games have been really important for us to, you know foster goodwill with with other leagues to foster goodwill with other countries even so it's it's been a, a really fun thing to be a part of and it's unfortunate the games aren't going to happen this year but hopefully in 2021. As I said you guys hope to resume those games though? Yes of course you know we, we have contra- contracts and you know beyond contracts just plans and intentions to go back to both Mexico and and London in
1: 2021. Uh, a article came out from Dan Wolken of USA Today who does a really good job with in college football uh I know we're kind of bouncing back and forth between levels here uh but the thought of SEC, Eric, continuing to punt on being asked about the season, conference schedule and such, are they just delaying the inevitable or they actually have a knowledge of maybe, hey, we might have something at the end of July that will give us a light at the end of the tunnel that we can play in the fall?
2: Well, I think the SEC, uh, ACC, and Big 12 have all said they were going to wait till the end of July to make an official announcement. I just think they're holding to their guns. They're just going to hold to that regardless of other things that have happened outside of their control. Uh, My opinion is, like, we made this decision earlier. We're going to hold to that. We're going to see what the landscape looks like. They may still adopt what the Pac-12 and Big Ten have done, but they're giving themselves an option in case things change or start to cool off.
1: When do things need to change or start to cool off, though, guys?
0: Now. Yeah. I I mean... ASAP. Two weeks ago? If you want if you want football, wear a mask, right? That's what people yeah. are saying. Do everything you can. Don't make it a political thing. Just if you want sports, do everything you can to get rid of the coronavirus. Uh,
2: I didn't give a chance to give credit last night. It was Holly Rowe who said- Oh,
1: dude, that was so it's
0: good. It's not political. It's pigskin. Exactly. Exactly. So if you want football <laughs> in the fall, wear a mask. I, I got a question for you guys. You know dude. football's a religion in the South, right? Especially Alabama. Oh, yeah. So if Alabama refuses to cancel their season and everybody else does, does that count as another national championship for Alabama? (laughs) There's a big asterisk (laughs) next to it. I'll tell you that (laughs) right right now. No one else is playing.
1: Did you hear? uh, I can't remember who was interviewing President Trump, but he kept calling Nick Saban, Lou Saban. That was Donald
0: Trump. Yeah, at like a rally. Yeah, and kept calling, kept calling him, him Lou Saban. Saban. That a combination between Lou Holtz and, and, and oh, Nick, I, Nick Saban. I hope he was
1: doing that in Louisiana because he did. If he did that, in Bama, yikes, buddy. Yeah, that might be an electoral. A it, couple electoral columns. <laughs> going the other way. Hey, there is news that the first coronavirus vaccine has been tested in the U.S. Uh, and has been revved up people and has revved up people's immune systems, just the way scientists had hoped for. Now, this is coming out just about maybe twenty minutes ago. It enters its most important step which is a 30,000-person study to determine if the shots work as planned in the real world. So I asked you guys, you know, when does things need to start kind of flipping over to the right side? And you said, now, does this, like, escalate that? Does this put, like, a booster on it? And can we get this going? If we do get this going in the right way, can it save college football by the fall? Are we too late?
2: I think just having the... uh just knowing that a vaccine is is being worked on and is in critical trials, I think that's important. But until it's in actual use and we actually see numbers starting to decline, I think that is the ultimate deciding factor. Just personally, again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm I'm not a public policy expert. Just
0: my two cents. Yeah, I didn't get the automatic epidemiology degree that apparently comes when you uh, download a Facebook account. But, uh, but uh, yeah, no, I don't know either. I, I assume, you know, that, that would at least change public perception and, and hopefully people's, you know, at least willingness to go to a game or to support games being played.
1: I, uh, and, and I kind of wonder with, you know, the, the thought or the ultimatum of if there's not this regional lineman, if you will, then there's going to be no football at all. But then you hear from Notre Dame that they say, "Well, a spring ball is definitely doable." If it, if spring ball is doable, when do you start? When do you end? And do you have bowl games or a college football playoff?
2: Man, that's that's the million dollar question because it's still kind of up in the air. Because yeah. you have got to have some time for your players to have a
1: camp, yeah,
2: and to get their their bodies in shape, yeah, which
1: they haven't had yet, right? I mean, they haven't had any. I mean, I guess they've had individual workouts, but no camp. And some places have shut down facilities blown out of ACL. again.
2: Yeah. So you got to have a six-week ramp. And so do you start that in January? So you maybe you start
0: games late February, early March? But how do teams like Wyoming that don't have an indoor practice yeah, facility that's practice another thing. in January?
1: Oh, they're going to be getting some good practice in bad weather. So they'll be ready <laughs> to go. Scrape yeah. off
2: the field and yeah. it's frozen solid. It's like Colorado's tackling somebody on too.
1: concrete. And really, yeah. Utah could be one of those places. In January, we all know what Utah looks like in January, and it's not sure. pretty.
2: Well, I mean, they had the Alliance for American Football have a season at, at uh, Rice-Eccles Stadium. And those games attendance. were started in late mid-February, yeah. so they were able to pull it off.
0: I just think the talent pool would be so limited for spring oh, football. Yeah. I, mean, I think I mentioned this last week, but those top-level guys, are not they're not going to play in the spring. Yeah. Uh, it's unfortunate, but I just don't think so. No, it it's absolutely.
1: Uh, by the way, when you heard at the top of the hour uh, on the Fox Sports Minute update, man, you guys like to pay your players. Miles Garrett of the Cleveland Browns, $125 million sexy extension. Uh, the deal which is worth a total of $144 million. It's over seven years. and make him, Miles Garrett, the highest paid non-quarterback in the NFL. Some of these defensive ends that got paid really big, I've only seen very few live up to it. Well, and Chris
2: Jones too, with the the yeah. Chiefs, uh, an eighty five million dollar deal, four years, and uh, he got the franchise tag, didn't he?
1: He did. Wait, oh yes, he did. Thirty seven million is due at signing. Sixty million guaranteed for injury. Five million in incentives, making the value contract up to eighty five million. Hello and thank you, Patrick Mahomes, for that. You want to make a lot of money? Go play for the Chiefs, I guess,
2: huh? That's wow. nuts. You're gonna run out of money. Oh, yeah. I, I just I wonder. Um, this brings up two questions I had for you today. The, is uh, First, we'll stick with the Chiefs. Are they at risk of becoming the L.A. Rams of a few years ago where they just went out and spent money on all these people and then those guys started getting hurt and then they didn't have money to go out and find anybody to replace them. And so they were this super good team and then they started getting hurt and they just didn't have a, a, a bench They couldn't go get other guys. Is Kansas City... That threat of having something similar happen to them,
0: I think they have two things in their favor that the Rams didn't have. First off, is the Rams gave a lot of money to a running back. They gave a lot of money to Todd Gurley, who I like, but you know the statistics show that if you give a lot of money to a running back now in the NFL, it's basically a lost investment. So they gave a lot of money to a running back. They tied all that up. They had to cut him. You know they cut him this past this past spring, and secondly, Patrick Mahomes isn't Jared Goff. I, I mean I, I hate to bag on things, but Jared Goff just. He's a decent average level replacement level quarterback, right? I think Patrick Mahomes is a lot better, but you bring up injuries. You know, injuries, it's a complete gamble, right, in the NFL especially. You never know if this guy's going to hurt an ankle or like Patrick Mahomes did last year, just okay to knee. So I think it's a gamble, but I think it's a gamble that these teams are willing to make because they won a Super Bowl. Mahomes is young. Chris Jones is one of the best tackles in the game. Those, in, those positions typically add a lot more value than running back, and those positions typically get hurt a lot less than, say, a running back or a receiver. So I think of that as a gamble that the Chiefs obviously were willing to make. So the, my, my second question
2: that's, that's connected to this is how many owners and general managers are kicking themselves that they didn't get deals done before Patrick Mahomes signed his deal? Uh, did he just set the
0: bar at such a higher level for everybody else in the league? I did, and I think the issue is is that owners and, and general managers, for the most part, are pretty realistic, right? They realize when quarterbacks aren't Patrick Mahomes, but but court, football players, we're wired a little bit differently. We think we're the best no matter what, right? So Mahomes set this level. He set the five hundred million dollar, even though most of that money is fake, the five hundred million dollar contract level. So now Dak Prescott has much more leverage when he, leverage when he goes to negotiate with Jerry and Stephen Jones you know hey hey Patrick Mahomes got 500 I'm just as good as him or I'm almost as good as him I want 475 so I think you know any team that has a quarterback up for extension in the next 2 or 3 years is probably kicking themselves in the teeth that they didn't just sign a contract before Mahomes signed his
2: <laughs> I uh <laughs> it's, it's a whole yeah, it's a whole new say, set of monopoly money that you want to you want to pay
0: Mitchell Trubisky 400 million dollars Ajay? <laughs> if you build around <laughs> wow. him yeah you gotta. He
1: doesn't have talent around him offensively, though. Tell me when's the last time he actually had really solid talent around him. Receiving or as a running back? Thank you. I'll let you continue <laughs> to think about <laughs> it while we go to break. All right, it's Ethan Durstale, Eric Francis, and I'm AJ Southson. Coming back, we're going to talk more NFL. We want to talk about 2020 NFL. Players that will break out. Uh, players that we think are at least the top five current players coming in 2020. Is Tom Brady on your list? Is he not on your list? Is Patrick Mahomes in your top five? Maybe I'll put, I don't know, Mitchell Trubisky ahead of Patrick Mahomes. Why don't you do that? We'll see what happens. (laughs) It's all coming up on the Full Court Press, 106NFM, 1390AM, and 106NTheFan.com.
3: It's the Full Court Press with Eric Frenson and Ajay Selvason.
1: Really surprising news to hear Jason Shelley coming over here to do, uh, Logan, Utah. Utah
2: State already has a lot of guys in that quarterback room. Uh, Henry Columby, Andrew Peasley, they got reps. Columby wasn't pushing Jordan Love to be the starter, but he was making good progress. The reason why I'm not surprised is Gary Anderson and this staff have made a habit getting some really quality talent to leave Utah and come to Utah State, and they immediately are impact players.
1: Starting at 4 p.m. 106 on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM and 106andthefan.com. The Full Court Press.
0: Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com.
1: The Full Court Press, 106 and FM. 1390 AM and 106andthefan.com. If you missed any of our shows, past episodes, even ones last week with Ethan... You can go to 106andthefan.com or you can head on to our podcast platform, Stitcher, iTunes, or Spotify. You can type in Eric's name, my name, or even Ethan's name, and you'll be able to find uh, those episodes. So, again, grateful to have uh, Ethan Dursteller, our local cat here of Cache Valley. Now uh, now is a big-timer and government affairs uh, coordinator at the National Football League. That is the NFL. Uh, joins us here on the uh, Full Court Press. Grateful to have you, man. This is This is a blast.
2: I, can I, before we uh, go on to our, who we think are going to be the top players Two. in the NFL and maybe the breakout stars for this upcoming season, I, I want to go back to a, a few things that we touched on in that first segment. Uh, we talked a little bit about the international game, you know, games being played in London, trying to play games in Mexico, Mexico City. Um, are there other locations that could be expanded beyond those, as far as where international games could could take place? And what is the likelihood that a, a an NFL team could be permanently located in a place like London?
0: Um, before the pandemic, I would have said that the chances that an NFL team could be permanently located in London would be really high. The only issue is, you know, teams traveling to to London and back and being having enough rest time before they play again the next week. But I think you can work buys into a schedule such that that you can make that work. Uh, now everything's up in the air, um, but I think that you know we. We would love to have a team in London. I think it would be phenomenal for the game. It would be fun for the fans of football in in, in England. It would be fun for fans in America. I I think it would just be great for the game. As to your your first point, your first question as to whether or not we're going to be going into different countries, you know, we already have an, an NFL office in China. Um, I think that you know that we, we we've, we've done polling in China that shows that, that that the Chinese people are actually huge fans of American football. They associate football with America more than any other sport, and so they have always loved watching it. Interesting. Um, it's just difficult to watch because the CCP really regulates what is on their channels. So, you know, we're working to make sure to get. First off, to get football to all the Chinese people to work on that relationship, and then secondly, you know, maybe down the road, and I, I don't know. This is just speculation on my part, but maybe, t- maybe, maybe we take football to China. I think that'd be awesome. Wow, could you imagine that football in China?
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean that's cool. I just that blows certainly my mind. the NBA even an
2: option. Well, had a strong relationship, <laughs> yeah. in China, and that kind of yeah. got
0: screwy about a year ago. Well, and that's the thing about working with China, right? Is there? Y- y- it becomes more than sports. It's a socio. It's it's a it's a you know worldwide issue when you work with their government and our government don't get along great, and so you gotta you have it's a very uh, very you have to tread lightly.
1: But with the league being as it is, the National Football League, and you talked about this in, in our opening segment that everyone's wearing jerseys of all sorts of thirty-two NFL teams at one game. With the NFL transcending worldwide as it is and becoming as popular as it has been the Does the option and the chance to build a build up relationship with like China become easier? or does it soften it a little bit or no?
0: Look, I think so. I'm not a very political person, so I'm like, hey, if we can get football anywhere, I don't care if it's the communists or the, you, you go you take football, it brings people together. it solves problems. it builds those bridges. Um, no way am I saying I think that I'm. No way am I saying that I am a communist. I'm just saying I think you know you take the sport there, you use an American sport, an American icon to to really bring people together. I think Ajay, you make a great point. I think it does build bridges that maybe weren't there before.
2: In your role with government policy, public affairs, kind of things, is how much of that have you been in, engaged with already, or is that kind of a separate area of uh, within the NFL inner workings about how that works?
0: So we have an international department that really you know. Ha- heads up those efforts, but obviously because of, like I mentioned, the relationship we have with China, the Government Affairs Office is involved. And so we're involved uh, actually with all with all of our international games, whether it's Mexico, China, or London, making sure that, you know, first off, we foster goodwill with those local governments. Uh, you know, the, the Prime Minister of the UK, Boris Johnson, is a huge NFL fan. He loves the New York Jets. Woody Johnson, who is the current ambassador to the UK, is great friends with him, and he's the owner of the Jets. Um, so, you know, we foster those relationships. We make sure that the countries are okay with us going there, that they know what we're trying to do and, and, and that they support us and want us to come. So, yeah, we've been involved in that quite a bit. And I love that part of the job. It's really fun.
2: That's really interesting. Uh, the Another issue with you know, public policy is certainly maybe more public pressure has been on the Washington team in your own backyard. And we yeah. know that they finally say we're we're ditching the Redskins. Uh, we're going to go with a different logo or a different mascot. Uh, they, they, I guess there are reports today they hope to get that settled by training camp. Mm. It's a very short
0: window to which come up is with when, a whole new identity. When is training identity. camp, by the way? Training camp is scheduled to kick off July 28th, which is later than usual, but that's that's what the plan is right now. So they have
2: two weeks to come up with a new identity, which seems like super fast time to do it. And it's the, the owner and the head coach that are apparently heading this up, which also seems odd. That the head coach is involved so much in a team's identity um but how much have uh, and there may be some things you can't get into with this but how much has your office been involved with some of that if, if anything else just fielding some of the pressure that's come with
0: with that name which has been racially insensitive you know we there's a lot i can't comment on. you're right but we've done a lot in fielding pressure from members of congress particularly on the democratic side that have you know, take an issue with the name for a long time. And in the last, since 2013, the, the heat's really picked up, but you know, we've always tried, you know, our job is to work for the teams. We represent the teams. The national football league is, is an association of the 32 teams. So our, our, we've always worked to try to foster goodwill between the Washington team members of Congress that take issue with that, with, with the former name and the native community. And, and, you know, we've had quite a bit of success. Mr. Snyder has been really, you know, uh, really willing to work with the native community to, to support the native community. And Members of Congress recognize that while the Na- they were still bothered by the name. You know, they recognized the work that the team was doing. But this definitely, you know, lightened the pressure on us in a, in a lot of uh, different aspects.
2: So there's wide speculation about what they will name the team. They'll have a short window of, in what to do it. Uh, in which to do that. But there seems like some prevailing opinions. There's a couple of leading candidates that always seem to be cropping up near the top of the list of proposed names. Uh, Warriors is one of those. Yep. I'm not
1: a fan of that one.
2: Uh, Red Tails is another one. That's my... I like Red I like Tails. that one. Which actually, uh, when we initially saw it, I didn't make the connection, but that is a reference to the Tuskegee uh, Airmen yeah. back in World War II, the
0: airplane pilots. What are you doing you was, see the Tuskegee uh, you Airmen doing? came out. Actually, they incorporated the the nonprofit down in Alabama and said they'd be honored to work with the team to make that the team. Time out. Really? Yeah, really?
1: What is that? Cool? Oh, yeah. What is a Tuskegee Airmen? They're it's the. It's
0: great. They made a movie about it. It's a really good movie. You should watch the movie. Yeah. They're the, the. So there was over sixteen thousand African Americans who were in the Army Air Corps during the during World War II. The Tuskegee Airmen is a reference to the around of those sixteen thousand. There's about a hundred of them who flew combat missions in 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 the European theater in World War II. So. It, it, they were called the Red Tails because of the red tail on their on their to mark. Obviously, you know at that time our country was segregated, so they had a red tail on their plane to mark who they were, and they you know a lot, you know received a lot of recognition for their valor in combat, and they became known as the Red Tails.
1: I seriously thought it was a bird.
0: I seriously I, thought initially, it was a third. I got like, publicity, obviously. Yeah, I <laughs> thought it had because
2: there's little feathers on the helmet as it is. Yeah. I thought it was just a just a cheeky way to reference
0: that, but no, it has a lot more deeper recognition than that. You know, yeah. the Washington Post did a poll, a reader poll on uh, an unofficial reader poll on what fans wanted the new name to be, and the results were 48% wanted it to be Red Wolves, which I hate. That sounds like an amateur softball. It sounds like a softball team that plays in Smithfield <laughs> that goes like 13 and 15. <laughs> red tails came in second place with 18%. Warriors was 9%. Other options were pigskins, hogs, redneck, red hawks, Americans.
1: See, the hogs would have been good, too. I think hogs. A right, tribute to their own of offensive one. line yeah.
0: with Joe Gibbs. I love that.
1: Now, uh, the reason
2: why I think Warriors may still percolate near the top because Daniel Snyder already owns that
0: name. He's already Does. trademarked that name, right? He did. He owned like a an indoor Franchise right, copyright, uh, trademark, in or the early two thousands because they were thinking about bringing an arena football league team to DC. So he purchased the trademark to Washington Warriors. So people have speculated he likes that name. I think the trademark expired, but you know, people say he's liked the name. He's already filed for it. Maybe that's it. But I don't know. I just don't like it as much because an alternate helmet
2: helmet and logo is is the has been a spear. Yeah, but obviously that still is a connotation to uh, Native Americans, and that kind of misses
0: the the point of some of that but and i think that it's come out at least espn's reported that there's going to be no native american imagery so that kind of made me think you know maybe they will move on from warriors maybe they don't want to use the arrow uh i've seen a lot of funny things on twitter you, you know the washington lobbyists the washington elites the washington obstructionists. <laughs> was so i'm sure it'll be <laughs> yeah, fun, we, whatever it we is we
2: saw some of those the, the swamp monsters yeah, there were swamp some good monsters. ones yeah, yeah
0: everybody you know people in the deep state we all just love washington what a great place
2: (laughs) (laughs) but there was others that kind of made sense like the senators or the the monuments or yeah other things that kind of tie into that culture um
0: i love hogs i'm with ajay i think the hogs
1: it's such a great tribute to the offensive line back in what early 90s is that right early 90s late john riggins yeah yeah, those guys
0: those guys were awesome such a
1: freaking good team uh, let's go ahead and take another quick break. We're gonna have this week in the NFL to introduce us to that break. When we come back, we're gonna talk top five current NFL players, and then I'm gonna throw a bone at you here. I want your guys' players that need a rebound season. Mm. Who needs to come back and have a major good season with maybe money on the line or they could be getting cut? All right. So uh, you talking about Tom Brady? I just saying, how dare you with his eyes.
2: What is your problem?
1: Make sure you know what? Page. Your new name is Chris Sims. <laughs> you laugh, and I'm serious.
4: I'm Kyle Montgomery with NFL Network now on the Westwood One Radio Network. Cardinals owner Michael Bidwell has been released from the hospital after testing positive for COVID-19 last week. He had been traveling and was admitted to a Rhode Island hospital on Friday. In a statement, Bidwell thanked his team of doctors and nurses and encouraged everyone to keep practicing the important measures to avoid contracting the disease. Count Le'Veon Bell among those who believe that Jamal Adams will be in a Jets uniform in 2020. The All-Pro safety requested a trade last month, but Bell says he doesn't see the team letting Adams go. Meantime, testing protocols and compensation are two of the top priorities for the NFL and NFLPA as negotiations continue just two weeks away from training camp. Many of the other details will be discussed on a call Monday between the NFL and Players Association. NFL Network will have you covered all day long with the latest from those talks. This has been NFL Network Now on the Westwood One Radio Network.
1: All right, welcome back to the Full Court Press. Eric Franson, Ethan Durst, Taylor, I'm J. Grateful to have you joining us however and wherever you are. Hope you're enjoying your day. Hope you're enjoying the show. Uh, let's let's get into some NFL talk. This is going to be fun. I'm actually kind of excited because you know Ethan has been so I'm not gonna say robotic, but he has given very the right answers. He's been saying the right things the whole entire time. I'm a corporate. Now <laughs> now we get to kind of find out some of the uh, the thoughts on some of these players, and of course he won't back on any of them. He's gonna be smart, but. Uh, I wanna I wanna. Hey, talk- I
0: might. I'm a fan first. I mean, you know, I can back We're, we're play, about so. to find out right here pretty quickly. This is an unofficial capacity.
1: Five current your top five current NFL players right now. Get uh, so I'll uh I'll give mine. He just got paid today, big time. If Miles Garrett can keep his attitude in check, that guy is a menace. He in fact is better than JJ Watt. It's, I agree completely. Oh, okay. So it's not like an off the board same. Okay, so we're that's good. I, I didn't but know how crazy that sounded. Watt.
0: I don't think he's better than TJ Watt. Of Pittsburgh? Yeah. That guys a, that guy's a stud.
1: Miles Garrett's not better than TJ Watt? But last, he's better than JJ Watt?
0: Last year last year Miles Garrett didn't play the last five games.
1: Well, yeah, that's because he took a helmet <laughs> to somebody's <laughs> head without wearing it. That hey, wasn't smart. Stay, staying on the you field, is an important on the part of it. But that's the thing. If he can stay on the field and keep his attitude and behavior in check, he is a monster to deal with. Yes,
2: he is. He is. Yeah. And the thing I is, agree with that
1: he's the only one on that defensive line who really is a problem. Like I know the Texans had Clowney and and Watt at one point, right? Yep. Patriots had their their defensive ends at one point. It's just Miles Garrett, and him alone causes so much attention.
0: No, I totally agree. I think Miles Garrett is you know as a as a. A high school defensive end. I feel like I have absolutely no authority to comment on this, but I'm going to try to anyways. He's. I think he's the best defensive end in the game. When he, like you said, when he can get his act together and stay on the field, the guy's phenomenal. And you know, he's actually also a really good person off the field as well. He works really closely with Water Boys, taking you know water to to, to disadvantaged communities in Africa. And, and really good kid. Lost his, lost his school last year, but is an absolutely phenomenal football player who I'm really excited to watch this yeah, year. Yeah,
1: he's gonna be good in the future uh players from you guys uh, you are at least so some of your top current players i should
0: say so i think it's important for me to delineate at least that when people are when people are evaluating nfl talent they get so caught up in value these days and if we're doing like most valuable players then that would all five would be quarterbacks right so this is for me regardless of position and regardless of how much value the person adds to the team my top five best players in the nfl number one aaron donald hands down so much better than anybody else at his position. I don't know. Besides Chris Jones, who got paid today, can you guys name a single other defensive tackle in the National Football League? No. No. I think the second best is probably Cam Hayward, Fletcher Cox, maybe. Aaron Donald Ooh, Fletcher is. Fletcher Cox he's good. Aaron Donald is. Should be the defensive player of the year every year. Cannot be guarded. D- requires a double or triple time every team, every snap. Dude's absolutely phenomenal. My opinion, best player in the National Football League. Uh, I also had Donald on my
2: list. Um, I just, the impact that he's had on that Rams defense has been huge. Yeah. Um, and, uh, they've built around him and for good reason. And I, I think, yeah, barring injury, he should be a really impact player for them again this year. He's just yeah. a phenomenal defensive guy. Um, most of my list is, is offensive players. As did, is mine. I did have Garrett on my list as well. Um, those were the only two defensive guys that I had, but, In my top five, I did have Garrett and Donald.
1: Uh, I also have uh, Alvin Kamara of the Saints, running back. Hmm. Really, really good running back. Uh, and he uh, he does have the pressure taken off of him because of, there's a really nice passing game led by Drew Brees. I don't know if you've heard of him. Uh, But with that help, he, I mean, it just takes so much pressure off of Kamara. He's a great catching running back as well. He can go out, run routes. He's sharp on the routes. He's a great blocking, you know, as as you know, for play action or whatever the situation is. He picks up blocks really well. I love Alvin Kamara. I love watching that guy.
0: I totally agree. The sad thing is, you know, every BYU fan is going to tell you they should cut Alvin Kamara so they can and start Taysom, Taysom Hill at running back. <laughs>
1: Hey, who's going to have a brighter future? Watch uh, this. Oh, my gosh.
0: Taysom Hill or Jordan Love? No comment. I want people to listen to our show.
2: <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> he earlier said Taysom Hill <laughs> is a more impactful player
0: than Bobby Wagner. Because he can do it all. Bobby Wagner can only do so many things. I, I Bobby <laughs> Wagner is like the best linebacker in football. Okay,
1: just because he was ranked like one like, is a guy who comes ratings. off the bench and
2: plays a few snaps. Another guy is a pro bowler and is going to the Hall of Fame and has oh, gone to multiple Super Bowls. He's been
1: announced to the Hall of Fame, huh? He is going. There. He's going to the Hall. He of is fame. going to the Hall of Fame. Okay, you don't have to jump on this ship, like that. Hey.
0: <laughs> <you, you. laughs> Taysom Hill is a really nice person that grew up in a great the great state of Idaho, but he is not better at football than Bobby <laughs> Wagner. Hachey's oh, going to die on that hill. you so bad. <laughs> you
1: had to do that again, didn't you? You're such a jerk.
0: All right, who else do you have on your list, Ethan? Uh, another off-the-beaten-path guy, Quentin Nelson, offensive guard for the Indianapolis Colts. Guy's absolutely wow. insane. He and Aaron Donald train with knives in the offseason just to get their hands quicker. I feel like once you start worrying about <laughs> your hand once you start worrying about your hand speed, yeah, you can you're you're probably pretty good at, at what you do. He yeah, he and he and Aaron Donald they 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 knife fight to practice their hand speed in the offseason. Uh Wow, that is next level. Holy fetch. Uh it was negative twenty degrees when the Colts played the uh the Chiefs last year in Kansas mm. City. Quentin Nelson was warming up without his shirt on. To me, that's just toughness, uh, you know. That, that's just stupidity. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, but <just laughs> tough, tough. Well, that's just dumb. But I, I really think you know he's the best offensive guard in football. Dude gives up no pressures. He gives up no sacks. He's absolutely phenomenal. I think he's gonna get paid this year too, which is gonna be good for him. Seems like a nice kid. Uh,
1: good pick. Really, 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 really good pick. Uh, number three on my list, and this is gonna kind of surprise some people. But I love Christian McCaffrey. I've loved Christian McCaffrey ever since he stepped on the field. Coming from Stanford, he didn't miss a beat coming into the league. Uh, He just received his 99 Madden rating for the second year in a row, um, courtesy of Madden 21. Uh, The kid is so darn gifted. Um, If he had a better offensive line, if he had a better team, (laughs) that kid could set some records. I am
2: actually with you. He is on my list as well. And I think he made my list because – not only is he such a tremendous running back, but how well he receives out of the backfield yep. as well. And he's such a versatile weapon. Uh, he's just one of those guys that such an amazing talent placed on a below-average team. Uh, exactly. And I'm with you. If he was on a better team, a contending team, everybody would be talking about Christian McCaffrey all the time.
0: I also think that because, like you said, Eric, he's not just strictly a running back. He catches passes too, adds tremendously to his value because – Like I mentioned multiple times throughout the show, running backs in this league just aren't as useful as they used to be. But the fact that McCaffrey can pass, can catch and evade and add to the passing game like he does, definitely I think puts him in the conversation for a top five player in the NFL. I have him in my honorable mentions. Patrick Mahomes is my number one
1: guy. Is there any complaint? He's my number one guy. Coming in
2: with
0: a hot take here. George Kittle, my number one guy. Who's George Ooh, Kittle? George Kittle. Tight end. Yeah, tight end. Or San Francisco. San Francisco 49ers. Interesting. Why is he I think, number I one? I think Patrick Mahomes is 100% the most valuable player in the NFL. You I, just I gave me
1: crap for taking Taysom Hill, but you just think George Kittle. <laughs> George
0: Kittle. So I get really I get really into the weeds about this. I'm a nerd when it comes to, to, to anything football, but you look at his PFF rankings last year. The guy is— I And mean, PFF stands for— Pro Football Focus. If you're a big football fan, I highly recommend Pro Football Focus. You can get lost in the weeds there for hours. It's like football Reddit. But you go on there, his blocking, his catching, his yards after catch. The guy had 1,400 yards after catch last year, which is like 80% more than anybody's had in the history of the game of football. He does everything for that team. Jimmy Garoppolo's not good. Every time Jimmy Garoppolo needs to throw the ball, he just throws a torch kill. I think stop George it. Kittle is you the it. most talented player in the NFL. Did you say Jimmy Garoppolo is not good? I did. I think he's the 16th best quarterback in the NFL.
1: <laughs> We're done.
0: And I'm sorry. I'm going to stick. Aaron Donald was my number one. George Kittle was my number two. I don't care. No one cares right now. <laughs> you just said Jimmy Garoppolo is not good.
1: That is unreal. That was a really good San Francisco team. That yeah, was Tom, last year. They had Tom, a great running game. By the way, Tom Brady's not good either. <laughs> a really good defense, too. <laughs> they did. Uh, you make me sick. All right, we got to take a break. <laughs> Coming back, uh, we're going to talk. Uh, we still got to do our one breakout player, or at least one player needs a rebound. Uh, and I'll, we'll get to our quick uh, Super Bowl, very early Super Bowl picks. It's all coming up on the Full Court Press. Oh, you just said Jimmy
0: Garoppolo. The new home for the Full Court Press. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Ethan
1: Durstell, Eric Franson, I'm Al J. Salveson. Full Court Press wrapping up a Tuesday show again. We'll get you ready for the middle of the week on a Wednesday. One step closer to NBA basketball, one step closer to MLB baseball. Will we be any closer to college football? That is yet to be determined. All right, uh, guys, give me one player who needs to have a rebound season.
2: Well, I, I don't know if the rebound season is the right term for this guy, but I think somebody who needs to have a, a good season is Saquon Barkley. Oh, that's a good one. A lot of hype. He had some moments, but I think there's uh, there's could be a lot riding on him. If he has a great year, um,
0: then he could be. He could be doing pretty well for himself. He could really help the Giants too. Ethan, I think Saquon's a great answer. Um, I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with my guy, my second favorite football player of all time, Rob Gronkowski. Didn't he, play last year, dude. You just took mine. Didn't play last year. Was hurt the year before that. Is probably the greatest tight end to play. That is, in my mind, an, indisputably the greatest tight end to ever play the game. Behind George Kittle. No, <laughs> this year maybe. <laughs> I think that if he comes out, you know, has 12 touchdown catches, 1,200 receiving yards, really helps Brady down there in, in Tampa Bay that will solidify his legacy as, as the greatest tight end of all time. And he's already a Hall of Famer, but, you know, maybe get his bronze bust a little bit closer to the front door in and Canton.
1: And, and with the help of guys like Mike Evans and O.J. Howard, he's yeah. he's going to have some pressure taken off of him, so that will help. Uh, mine is Rob Gronkowski as well for the very similar reasons you just gave. I think coming off – you know, nope, not playing football one year. Now you're playing with, again, one of the, one of the most overrated quarterbacks in NFL history in Tom Brady. Um, you have the chance to maybe make Tom look good again, like you always do, because Tom is so bad. Stop. And so, uh, <laughs> you know, if Tom, you know, he gets all this help, and now he gets a chance to get some more help, major help, because he lost it all in New England, and he needed Bill Belichick to save him over and over again. Okay, Super Bowl predictions. Uh, I'm going to uh, go Niners versus Patriots. Wow, Jimmy Garoppolo versus his old mentor Bill Belichick, and uh, Niners win.
0: I'm going Chiefs versus Saints. The Saints finally overcome whatever curse they've been whatever curse they've been you know trying to overcome for the last couple years, and the Chiefs beat them 49-17. Uh,
2: I had the exact same uh, Chiefs versus the Saints. Drew Brees, kind of a swan song for him. It's kind of a last hurrah. They get it together, uh, but I still have the Chiefs
1: winning the game. Same. Good for you guys. Uh, all right. For Ethan durst Taylor, great thanks to him for coming out. Eric Franson, I'm OJ Salves. You've been listening to another edition of Full Court Press. We'll talk hey, to you on Wednesday. Thanks to you, And
3: Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. You know the expression, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Apparently, the NBA bubble is the exact opposite. What happens in the bubble will be put on social media in excruciating detail. First, we were hit by a wave of players tweeting out images of dinner. Then the media arrived and doubled down on the food fight and then doubled down with the food. All right, I get it. Life in the bubble is kind of interesting, but with everything going on, no one wants to hear complaints. And I think we're all gonna get sick of Instagram stories about your mini bar. On a more serious note, there's a lot at stake here. The NBA's bubble model could end up being the best strategy of all the leagues, or it could blow up in their faces. It's unbelievable to see teams working out in hotel ballrooms or golfing and fishing together, while all along taking their COVID tests that are crucial to restarting the NBA. I hope it all works out. I hope hoops begin soon. Just lay off the bubble food photos for a little while, guys, okay? I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.